Okay. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> Gross. It's Tennessee Titans talk. Fellas, it's Indianapolis Colts week, part one. We're five and a half point favorites in Nissan Stadium, noon kickoff, Sunday. John, first things first, what do you think of that line? I think it's fair. Uh, I, I think anytime a team gets over three and a half, it's kind of a pretty good show of respect because we always talk about three, three and a half being, you know, what you get by default for being the hometown team. So I think five and a half is fair. I mean, the Colts, they've shown that they can score points when they are healthy. You know, Vegas knows that the Colts <laughs> in Nashville, that's our Achilles heel. I think it's really fair. Landon, the Colts have been a trap game for us, especially at home for, I don't know, almost as long as you've been alive, even when we've had momentum. You know, I always worry about them. That being said, they have a lot of questions. Uh, First two games at home, lost both of them. Carson Wentz, even if healthy, and he's not fully healthy, there's a lot of questions about him, a lot of questions about T.Y. Hilton. I mean, just a lot of things going on. I mean, what's your initial take on – this Colts team coming in? Well, they're really banged up, like you said. And it starts with the offensive line, which used to be their greatest strength. So Braden Smith, one of the more underrated right tackles, did not play last week against the Rams. Was injured week one, had one of his worst performances. It is a foot-slash-thumb injury for Braden Smith. He was a did-not-practice today. I would put it at roughly 50-50. He plays Sunday, leaning towards not. Xavier Rhodes, their best cornerback, didn't play last week with a calf injury. I would expect him not to play. And then, of course, the main reason the line is so big is Carson Wentz. Both ankles (laughs) looking pretty rough. And there was a report that came out today that earlier today, the Colts threw the kitchen sink at trying to treat his ankles. I believe he was top five in most pressures, most hits, most sacks. And that was with two healthy ankles. So the offensive line is banged up. <laughs> he doesn't really have any receivers. Thankfully, T.Y. Hilton can't come back yet. He was on IR, so he has to wait at least three games or game number three. So he's got no weapons. The offensive line isn't nearly as good as his reputation is. And Aaron Donald just almost destroyed both of his ankles. I, I keep thinking, you know, in my head, you say both ankles. I keep thinking Lieutenant Dan's going to roll out there and play quarterback. <laughs> I keep thinking about how the only people I know that break like both of something are like that kid when you were like in middle school that was just like the most unathletic person in the world. It's like, yeah, he fell in soccer and broke both his arms. It's like, what happened to Carson Wentz? I mean, what happened to this guy? <laughs> he came and went, but solid. All that being said, it's something scares you about the Colts. I mean, yeah, I think Seattle fans could have had the same conversation about us last week, and then look what happened. I mean, what would it take for them to, to beat us in Nashville this weekend? I'll tell you who it is. It's that Jack Doyle. It seems like every year he's got our number, and we somehow forget to cover him. So he's always a problem. Michael Pittman's a problem. Jonathan Taylor's a problem. They've got guys. I'm not worried about them on defense except for – DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard uh, on offense they've got some pieces if they could just figure out a way to get them the ball and I know if Wentz doesn't play they're looking at Jacob Eason who both of you were pretty high on in last year's draft yeah I'm uh, I'm selling all my Eason stock after yeah he, he I, was played that last draft. I was high on his experience I mean as far as to take him you know about where he went but he did not look 
good in what we've seen so far, Landon. To John's point, uh, Pittman Jr. had a really good bounce back week, but they just don't look together. I think it all is going to come down to quarterback. I mean, you see a quarterbackless team win every now and then, but I just don't think that they could do it at home with the momentum we have after last Sunday unless they get a good performance from Wentz or somehow Eason, but I just do not see it with Eason for sure. Right, Landon? Yeah, and generally when teams win with bad quarterbacks, it's because they have a lot of offensive talent, a lot of a lot of skill position guys that make things happen so the quarterback isn't being asked to do much, or they're being carried by a great defense to where the offense doesn't have to do much to begin with to win. Think last year's Washington football team. Except the Colts' defense, which was pretty solid last year, has regressed from what it was. And to be fair, they played the Rams and the Seahawks, two of the eight best offenses in football right now. But their passing defense, which was below average last year, is worse. Their run defense, which was the strength, has regressed to about average. They're middle of the pack in yards per attempt allowed. And then on offense, like we talked about, they just don't really have any playmakers. Like their pass catching group is easily bottom 10, even if T.Y. Hilton were healthy. They've had a hard time and they put a lot of resources into developing that wide receiver core. I mean, what is it? about this offense that is just they have not stretched the field really since luck retired i just don't think they've been they've been able to have anybody to to get it i mean honestly i think their best quarterback of recent was jacoby Brissett, and they kind of let him walk out the door i like, mean i think it was phil rivers before the, just oh well the, too- the noodle came in the arm but I, we all like Brissett, but Brissett looked pretty rough last week in relief in miami for Tua. so i mean i think that acquitted them pretty well I know it's hard for us. It was just one week, but it's hard to get jazzed about this Colts game and to feel like, well, we all know how it can go, but to just feel really good about this game. But, John, how many Colts games have we been to where we felt like we should win and we had to sit and watch and with a lot of the wrong color blue in the stands and just watch them slowly with T.Y. Hilton, of course, he can't play anymore, but just somebody just ripping us apart between the 20s and then finding a way to do it. I have left that stadium so many times disgusted, knowing we were the better team that got beat. Yep, so many times. And I feel like, to I don't know if it's our credit, if it is the right terminology, but there are always close games where we think we should be right there, and then all of a sudden they make a play that we we somehow can't stop. Like uh, I mentioned Brissett before, I still feel like he's – just standing in the pocket and we have a thousand guys trying to tack to tackle him and he's just shrugging them off or i can still see like naeem hines like sprinting towards the end zone or marlon mack jumping over the pylon like just those random plays where it's like we should shut them down they find a way to make them so i am never ever going to you know just count a Colts win in the bag before the game happens. We can establish this. Uh, at this point, we we talked a few days ago about how Derrick Henry is, for all of us on this Hall of Fame trajectory, a lot of our fans have just assumed that. But, I mean, that's a tough thing for a skill position guy to make the Hall of Fame. He is in obviously in the thick of that. From a game-to-game standard for a guy like this, what is the elite game? I know you texted out something this week about how many 150-yard slash two-touchdown games he's had. To me, that's what I establish as elite game, just adding to the Hall of Fame credentials. Obviously, if he has 100 and a touchdown, that's great. But 150 and two, only what two other guys in history have had as many as he's had. He's not even 30 yet. So that being said, what stands in the way? I'll ask you, Landon, 
What is his biggest impediment on Sunday from having that elite game, 150 yards, two touchdowns? Well, it's the offensive line help. And we've talked about it in the group text. I don't think we mentioned it on the recap pod, but of his 182 rushing yards against Seattle, 160 came after contact, which is just, that's bonkers. That's pretty much, he's not even getting back to the line of scrimmage before getting hit. And that was sustainable against Seattle because we wore them down. Their secondary wasn't great. But at the same time, Lawan was out. Saffold went out. Ben Jones did not practice today, although I believe that's more of a rest and load, load management thing. But our right tackle at Cuisinberry, that's been pretty suspect so far. Saffold, Aaron Brewer was not a good replacement. He was definitely the weak link once he got in the game. And then left tackle, if Lawan plays, what Lawan are we getting? Are we getting the guy closer to what he was before he tore his ACL? Are we getting the guy that looked like he didn't trust his knee and got bullied in week one? Sambrella looked decent, but there's just so many moving pieces, so many obvious weak holes on the defense, on the offensive line that asking someone even as talented as Derrick Henry to get 85% of his rushing yards after contact, that's hard. And he can do it, especially when we scheme him into positions where the contact is, is he's going up against a DB. But that's just not sustainable. The best running backs in the NFL at least 50% of their yards before contact. Derrick Henry, he just can't, we can't sustain that because eventually, like with the Ravens game last year in the playoffs, we're going to run to a good team that tackles well, that has a tough defensive front, that plays hard, and Derrick Henry can't just make the magic happen every single play. John, on the flip side of that, what about this Colts defense makes you see 150 yards and two touchdowns Sunday? So, the, this is going to sound awkward, but why I think he can do it is because of DeForest Buckner. Yes, he is the most physical player, maybe even in the league, but on that defensive line, and he poses the, he poses the biggest problem for Derrick Henry to not get it. However, outside of him, there isn't a whole lot. I mean, we're looking at guys that you know are either rookies. Uh, Side note, I'm really excited to kind of see Quiddy Pay in person. Um, I wanted us to draft him really, uh, really bad. But, you know, he's really the only other person on that defensive line that can really give anybody any grief. So I think Derek is going to have a big day because we're going to be able to get that push off the line. And like Landon said, uh, you know, you'd like to think Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold will be healthy and ready to go. But if not, Zimbrilo looked pretty great. And I think, you know, obviously last year, he Henry went over 2,000 with those guys pretty much all season, and even a rotation of those guys. I don't like Questenberry at all. I think he's got a lot of, well, I, we've talked about it before. He is a league backup. He should not be a starter. So I think we've got to figure out right tackle. I don't care if it means putting Kendall Lamb there. I I, I don't know. Maybe this is this maybe this is the game for them to try um, Dylan Raiden's you know to get some snaps, meaningful snaps. But I really think Henry's just going to be able to do it because they don't pose a huge threat. Landon, from all I understand, uh, Raddus is not ready uh, to play tackle anyways. Anyway, right? Yes, and also we just didn't really give him any reps in training camp. He mainly switched between guard. And he did get some reps in the preseason games, and he just got absolutely bullied at right tackle. So I don't think Ray Dunes is the answer. I would like to think if Questenberry continues to struggle, we give Lamb a shot because Dennis Kelly was perfectly fine last year. Like, the scheme protected him. He had some gla- he had some obvious deficiencies. But we cut Dennis Kelly, and we signed Kendall Lamb for $1 million less, and Kendall Lamb isn't even starting. We got rid of an average right tackle, for a guy who isn't even playing. So 
So, yep. John, if you could get a beer Saturday night before this game with one Titan and one member of the Colts, uh, who would it be? Ooh, I would pick to have a beer with Rock Yasin because he's a Temple alum from the Colts. And I would pick to have a beer with probably Julio because that would probably be the best matchup that they can hope to have. And I think Julio would just smoke him. I'm going to go uh, Ben Jones and Ooh. the Pony mascot for the Colts. Uh, Landon, oh, you, you didn't tell me mascots were in play. Hmm. I was originally going to say John Robinson so I can talk him into let me, letting me play right tackle. <laughs> hey, low man wins, right? Hey, you got it. I you got seem it. like more like a like an interior guy to me. But I am sure. an interior guy, but you know what? I can do a better job than Questenberry. I think the default answer would be Quentin Nelson and Jeffrey Simmons because they've had a few. They've had some good reps against each other, and just that's really the only obvious elite talent pairing in this game. Because really, like when you look at our elite talent and their elite talent, it doesn't really match up at all, especially with how many injuries they have. So I, I'd, I'd. Would you try to fire up the the competition between them both, or would you try to would you try to be a peacemaker and smooth it over? I think that would be a pretty high road interaction. <laughs> I just think all <laughs> all three of those guys super classy. So those Notre Dame linemen, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is really emerges as a leader. I think that would be. Uh, You'd probably talk n- politics. N- and- <laughs> nothing but but high road stuff there. Yeah, you better believe it. They are doing. Um, a, a Houston Oilers reunion weekend. They are adding Bum Phillips to the Titans and Oilers ring of honors there at, at halftime during the game. And part of this celebration, they're going to have 80 former Oilers and Titans in attendance. So I think some of the cool names that I look at this list that highlight it, obviously Warren Moon is going to be there. That's going to be pretty cool. Billy White Shoes Johnson is going to be there. That's really cool to me. Robert Brazil, Hall of Famer there. So that's really awesome. And I just think it's going to be really cool when we do these tribute types of things. And they're all going to serve as a 12th man as well. And then let me, I, I know the NFL talked about different helmets and different different jerseys and all that kind of stuff. And it can't happen this year. At least I don't think so. But what if we were at the game on Sunday and the Titans came out in the old school Oilers jerseys with the helmets for this specific game. I mean, Nissan Stadium would lose it. Landon, what do you think about that? Because you guys know I, I'm uh, I'm torn about this. I, I'm proud, you know, that we have an NFL team and all that. But that was – I just think Houston as a city should have their stars. I mean, Earl Campbell has nothing to do with Nashville. I would love if he did. And we'd had a team that long. But I just feel bad for those guys at Warren Moon who probably couldn't find us on a map. But he – um, you know, he's retired here. I, I just think that is the ego and maybe um, the hard feelings of a guy who is not alive anymore, uh, our former owner, who I'm thankful that he had the guts to because they weren't giving him a good deal. I get it, blah, blah, blah. And nobody feels sorry for these guys, but he was shrewd. We have a team because of it. But still, I, I just don't. So for that reason, the old Derek, which we don't have any in this state, on the helmets, it doesn't move me. Um, I know you're a little more into the uniforms and the history than me, big fella. But Landon, um, what, what do you think of that like big fella says? What if they're out with the old Eric and the light blue Sunday? I mean, does that do anything for for folks your age? Well, just to crush your dreams, big fella, but they already released the uniform they're going to be wearing. It's going to be the baby blue. It's going to be the baby blue shirt, navy pants. Ugh. And then as for the Oilers, the, wearing the throwbacks, I'm indifferent to it. 
I was born after the Titans moved to Nashville, so all I've ever known is the Tennessee Titans. It was never the Oilers, then the Titans. And it does I do feel a bit weird with how it seems like a lot of the fan base seems to really cling to the Oilers heritage. I understand some of them were Oilers fans before. A lot, like, a lot of the new fans that have only known them as the Titans, it just feels like they just want to stick it to the Texans fans just to be jerks because they're division rivals. And like you said, like Brazil, Moon, all these old guys that never played anywhere close to Nashville, Tennessee, it just feels weird to associate them because I, I just I'm just indifferent. I really don't care. I like the the Texans as a brand, like the uniforms, the logo are really bad. If they could go back to the Oilers, I would I would like them to just because it would look a lot better. It would be some interesting color clashes with us. But at the very least, until their history is restored, if it ever is, I hope we do get some of those throwbacks because the throwbacks are very clean. Yeah, I mean, I think they're cool. And I just know our fan base, like you said, Landon, is crazy about them. And whether it's because they don't want Houston to get them or whether it's because they have, uh, you know, some sort of association with the Oilers, like you mentioned, uh, you know, regardless, I think the fans are excited about it. Uh, I mean, there are a couple crossovers that we're going to see on Sunday, Sunday, like Brad Hopkins. He was one that was a, an Oiler and a Titan. Um, I think Chris Sanders is on this list as well. But, you know, to your point, not a whole lot of them, you know, are crossovers from. Outside of this game, of course, this is relevant to our division. Both teams are in the division. Let's start with Jacksonville and Houston. I mean, I think Houston's going to get their butts whooped uh, tomorrow night by the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers are 2-0, and and it's not really a super big surprise to me. Um, you know, they hired Matt Rule, what, two years ago, a year and a half ago? Yeah, this is year two for yeah, Rule and year, Joe Brady. Year two. So, I mean, I've always loved Matt Rule, former Temple guy, and I knew he'd get things going around. You know, they traded for Hassan Reddick again. They have Daquan Jones. They have a very underrated but aggressive defensive line and they cause they they cause a lot of havoc for Jameis Winston last year who I mean <laughs> I don't know I know a lot of people in fantasy circles were like wow Winston's doing his thing and he's looking better than ever I kind of expected him to regress pretty hard um when facing an in-division opponent like like the Panthers um and that exactly happened and they got Brian Burns I know Landon you and I wanted him so bad in 2019 draft and he's just looking like a true stud yeah, I, I posted a GIF in our group chat of one of his reps against Ryan Ramchek, one of the best right tackles. He did a spin move, and it was like he just teleported. Yeah. Like, he's going to the outside, all his momentum's going away. And then in the next frame, he's inside Ramchek's arm. He's right at the quarterback. It's just insane. But T- Tyrod Taylor is going to be playing tomorrow night. The Texans' one defensive player that I know is actually good, and it isn't just on a two-game hot streak, Justin Reed. He's also not expected to play, so... They're going to lose. I think the Panthers can be like a top 10 team this year. They have a really easy schedule. The defense, like John said, is going to be insanely good, and they have a lot of offensive playmakers around Darnold. And the Texans, the first two games, have really surprised me. Like they're, I'm going to steal a Bill Simmons Simmons thing, but they're sneaky good. Like They're not nearly as bad as like one of the worst teams ever. Whoever they hired at coach, who we all thought was just a – standing until their offensive coordinator was ready to take over has actually done a decent job but a lot of injuries playing a good team i'll probably have it up on my tv but i won't be watching it at all i won't have the volume on and then jacksonville they have once again reclaimed their throne as unequivocally the laughing stock of the nfl 
and as it. and as a reward for being the laughing stock in the NFL, they get to host the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> right. And if Arizona doesn't just absolutely drub them, big fella, I'm going to be pretty mad, honestly. Oh, I'll be furious. I mean, the Cardinals are white hot right now. I mean, their defense is playing amazing. Kyler Murray is playing at an MVP level. Um, if they figure out a running back to, to keep them consistent, I mean, they're going to be a juggernaut. Yeah, so Jacksonville, might you might want to go ahead and start your college scouting. <laughs> I mean, if you look at kind of the – the brain trust there. You look at Lawrence and, and Urban Meyer, they just the look on the face at the end of that second game is like, What have what have we done? A bunch of a bunch of career winners go to one of the losingest teams of the past decade. Yeah. Well, I was gonna well, say, yeah. Outside of you know, before the first loss uh, for the Jag- Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence has not lost a game in high school, college, uh, you know, and then welcome to the NFL. Here's zero and two, yeah. your first yeah. two losses ever. He, he never well, lost the only a difference game in the is he season. picked his team both times, and um, true, he did not do that for this. And I think he always was going to be a bit of a limited ceiling guy, just because I have not seen him make every throw. Urban Meyer, um, he's too arrogant. I mean. If he all he had to do was coach, maybe. After that draft in April, <laughs> nope. Brought on the distraction of like a 33-year-old Tebow. Maybe Tebow at 24 to play tight end. But you just knew that he just did not understand what he was getting into. He didn't well, understand what it takes. That's my my thought anyway. And, and then they cut him because he couldn't contribute on special teams. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But And also with Meyer – this is the first time in a long time where his team just hasn't had a laughably talent gap between them and the other team to where it really comes down to coaching and scheme and execution versus my team is a bunch of five stars. The other team has maybe one guy. So we're, we're just naturally better than them. We're going to win. Like compare that to like Matt rule, your guy, big fella. He rebuilt, he rebuilt temple, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of high. He didn't have a lot of quality recruits. He didn't have just, he didn't. He wasn't like the Alabama of well, the I, where he just had just five stars, five stars playing backup. I actually credit a little bit of the re- Temple rebuild, and I'm going back too far. You know, to Al Golden uh, when I was there, and you know he started to bring in a, ca- a caliber yeah. of talent. And you know, obviously, of course, Lynn, to, to your point, you know, Rule did a really great job of recruiting, and he recruited the right guys, and that got him right. to to Baylor, and then from Baylor to to the NFL and he was ready to make that jump. And he rebuilt Baylor. They were they were the laughing stock of the Big 12 for a couple oh, of years. They were and after what they had been through, I thought, "Oh, there's no way they'll be good again." Yeah. And then and they, they took them to one. like the Big 12 <laughs> championship game a couple times. That that would have gotten him any job he wanted and it certainly did. He was in the NFL and has a lot of control there. Um, that's going to come down. Even this season going to come down to Sam Darnold, I think. Arrogance earlier of Urban Meyer, I, I thought that was kind of arrogant, that they just thought they could make a guy who played so poorly look good. Two weeks in, he looks like he's not going <laughs> to – at least not going to stand in their way of being good. But it's a long season, right? I'm impressed with it so far, but I by no means think that Darnold is, is just automatically going to have a good season. We'll see because – uh, NFL defensive coordinators have a way of solving guys that are not absolutely ready to contribute every week. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing is he is a he has his own healthy twenty two in the backfield, which is pretty invaluable. Yeah. I mean, and if the defense is if the defense plays up to their standard, 
I mean, yeah. it, anything could happen. I mean, they're we, not going to need too much from him. He would just need right. to be Brad Johnson or I mean, something like that. For God's sakes, we've seen Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. I mean, well, I was sort of saying. I mean, can he yeah, be that right. good? Trent, Trent Dilfer didn't make a lot of mistakes that year, so True. we'll see. I mean, that's that's the thing. They would hope he would be Trent Dilfer at this point, but Jeremy Chin and the rest of that defense, oh. yeah. Bring Jeremy Chin, I Man, love that that's guy. That's a guy I wish I would just Oof. love to see him be a Titan. I Man. Wish. Oh. Man. Yeah. I'm personally bullish on Sam Darnold. I'm trying to back some of my I'm trying to buy back some of my Sam Darnold draft stock. Because he was because I think he was a lot of people's QB one. He was my QB one in the draft. And then like a year in, I just sold all of his stock. I'm trying to get back in on the train. Why? What what do you see that, that makes you want it? Well, to be fair, like we've said, he isn't doing a ton. He isn't He's he's being elevated by his supporting cast, which is really talented. But he's he's making the right plays. He's he's not just throwing open receivers. I think he is above average in throws that go into tight windows. He's been more accurate. And I just think Adam Gase is so bad. The Jets just had no talent. That situation was so bad. He needed a fresh start. And I think he's going to end up being probably like the 18th best quarterback this year. When you look at just when you have to separate his raw statistics from the actual eye test, but he's going to be fine because he actually has a supporting cast that can elevate him. Yeah. And, and you see, and you see those flashes because he, ne- like he isn't super talented like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, but he's legitimately talented. We knew that at USC. It's just with the jets, there's no one to take advantage of that talent in Carolina. They have three legit receivers and the best all-purpose offensive weapon in the NFL and a decent offensive line. So outside of our division, guys, I mean, it stands out. Tampa Bay plays the Rams this weekend. Uh, John, is that going to live up to the hype? I mean, it seems like you got Donald, you got – I mean, you got a good defense. You got Stafford looking like, man, he's just – he's like Harry Potter. It's like he was living under the cupboard and now he's a famous wizard, right? And he's yeah. in LA and you know, it's just like, he has had this transformation. He is, he's young again. Yeah. You get all that, the narrative Tom Brady, that never gets old. That's going to be a really fun game, right? I would be willing to, to put money on the over of how many times they're, they mention, Oh, you know, Tom Brady's playing here in LA, the host of the, you know, 2022 Super Bowl, you might be back here later in February. Like, that's going to happen. That that conversation is going to happen throughout the whole broadcast. But you got two 2-0 teams, really strong defenses on both, and, you know, rejuvenated quarterbacks, like you just said. None of them, neither of them have a really good running game, but they've got so many receivers. I mean, you look at Cooper Cup and what he did this last oh, week. And then you, you take into effect, into account Gronk and the revitalization that he's at, the, the yeah. revitalized career. They basically just made him a touchdown machine. He's like he's like a secret weapon. He's like the sniper rifle. <laughs> they just bring him out uh, inside the 20, and he's just like, I don't know. I mean, old people go to Florida, and they're rejuvenated. It happens. And uh, uh, here you go, Gronk. And as far as Cooper Cup, a big, giant – dude like that with good hands landing with um mad Stafford rocket arm it's just uh it's a perfect marriage so far right oh absolutely and what's interesting is their other receivers have a lot of talent on paper and they really fit around cooper cup well but it's really just been the cooper cup show because they haven't had to throw a ton like robert woods is like mr mr underrated for the past couple seasons hasn't really done much even though he's been a guy who's sneakily like the 15th best receiver in a given year Van Jefferson, who they drafted in the second round, occasionally makes some plays. Deshaun Jackson hasn't had a big play yet, and that's all he does. And you know 
they're trying to get Matt Stafford throwing a deep ball to Deshaun Jackson. And then Tutu Atwell, which was one of the more questionable picks when they drafted the really short, really light, fast guy. He's just another speed element. The one weakness of the Bucks really is they let you pass on them a ton because they have such a great pass rush and run defense. So it's going to be a shootout. Tom Brady might legitimately have the best year of his career at this point. The Bucks offense on paper, it, they could legitimately be an all-time great offense. I would even go as far to say they could be the best offense ever. It's two top five teams. It's in prime time. Sadly, it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't know how much money I'd have to bribe Fox to put Gus Johnson and Keeb to leave on this call, but I would make Jeff, I would make Jeff Bezos go bankrupt to have Gus Johnson call this game. <laughs> John, if it wasn't for entries on that defensive backfield for Tampa, I would uh, totally agree with Landon, right? They are yeah. loaded, locked and loaded. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I don't know how many times it's ever happened, if it has, where a Super Bowl winning team has been able to return all 22. Never in the salary cap era. Never. So and, and then they added Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, all right, thanks, jerks. You yeah, already have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Right. It's like, uh, whatever. Whether he should get credit or not, I mean, if this works out to another Super Bowl, Tom Brady's going to get a lot of credit for bringing that back, for doing something that's never been done, like he's just obviously doing anyway. Let's wrap up by giving our predictions for this weekend for our game. What's, what's the final score in your mind, Landon? 31-17 Titans. Even if Wentz plays, his ankles are going to be really shaky. Compared to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, not nearly as mobile. Our pass rush against that depleted offensive line is going to have a big day. If Eason's out there, everyone better start our defense in fantasy because <laughs> it's, it's going to be a fun day for us if that happens. Yeah, I'm thinking similar. I'm thinking I originally was going to say 35-17, but I'm going to say 35-14. I think it's going to be a big day for the defense. I think we're going to see... Julio and AJ go off, specifically AJ. There were a lot of, you know, funny tweets and things about AJ Brown, about how, with how many drops he had, his family member said he couldn't even catch COVID with those hands. I mean, you know. Yeah, that was AJ Brown's worst performance <laughs> of his career. Yeah, I don't remember right. ever seeing him have that many drops, and I think he's going to be there with something to prove. So maybe he'll be like our team and never play bad twice in a row. Yeah. So that's my hope for that because he just doesn't seem to be that kind of kid that would get in his own head about it. He would just be determined to uh, do better, and the coaching staff would make it a little easier for him this weekend. There are ways to do it with a guy that physically talented to just, like, give him the ball in space, right? It's not hard. Right. We've seen it in the first two seasons of his career. Guys, for me, um, I, I worry um, that although the Colts – they don't have to win this game to still have a season. 17 games this year, 0-3 can be overcome. We don't know how good this division is going to wind up being or the wild card situation in the AFC. But they're going to think they have to win this game for the season. That's the way their minds are going to be, and they should be. So they're going to come out fighting. We have our question marks. We played poorly at home uh, two weeks ago. So I, I'm going to say we were going to win this game in the way, at worst, in the way that we won on Sunday, just uh, – just to, to want it more, play harder down the stretch. Uh, we do have Derrick Henry, and that, that matters a whole lot, as we saw. 27-24 are Titans. Most importantly, we need every Titans fan there on Sunday. Right. Getting loud, yeah. getting rowdy, the right color blue. It's only four hours down from Indy, and they take advantage of that. Please, please, please don't sell your tickets. Please, please just come to this game. Yes, we get it. It's fun to be at home. Red Zone is amazing. But – 
come to this game if you can. There are tickets still available to come tailgate with us, hopefully around Lot K. Derry will be here this weekend. We haven't seen him in years. It's going to be amazing. So we are going to, uh, we're just going to have a great weekend and hopefully the Titans will as well. For Landon and Big Fella, uh, this is Nathan. Guys, can't wait to talk to you again about this game and another Titans win. Till then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.